welcome to this podcast, recorded live at the Junction Church, Aberdeen. We pray this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, you can connect with us at www.thejunctionchurch.com. And this morning I want to speak about favour. Uh, and this is something that came out of a, came out of a, a humorous conversation I was having with... Um, uh, Dave, uh, Pastor Dave, um, on Boxing Day, I think it could have been, it might have even been Christmas Eve, I can't remember now, it was, a, it was part of that sort of merge of Christmas things that was happening, and uh, we were sitting in there, and, uh, and I can't even remember the conversation that came about, but, but um, as uh, we, were, we were chatting away, Dave was, um, I think, egging Cheryl on to prophesy over him, and uh, it was just in the, the manner that you do. Uh, or some people do, and uh, so he was a, and uh, so he, he, and he looked at me, and I, and I decided just to say, I said, uh, Dave, the, uh, the, it, this is the year of God's favor for you, which is, it, it's, it's a great thing to say because it's always true, for every person, and uh, it's one of those things that you can claim. So this, this is my year of God's favor. But see, favor is something that that is always with us, and. But somehow, I, I, and I really felt the, the Holy Spirit at that moment just trigger something in my heart. So I want to speak about the year of God's favor. It says in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, Jesus has just come uh, out of the uh, 40 days in, with um, uh, of fasting. He's come from the desert uh, where he, he defeated the enemy and the temptations that afflicted him in that, in that time. And he comes... Uh, to Nazareth, and he comes, and they give him um, the uh, scrolls of Isaiah, and he looks, and he finds these particular verses to read, and then he begins to read them, and as he reads them, so a transformation begins to take place, the birth of his ministry, and the birth of everything that he was called to do. It says, Jesus, as he was reading, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Or in some translations, it will say to proclaim the year of God's favor. And this morning, I, I want to speak to you and I, to help you understand that favor is part of God's redemptive plan for your life. That we understand that in the declaration of what Jesus came to do, he says, I came to heal the brokenhearted, to preach to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recovery of sight to the blind, uh, liberty, uh, set at liberty those who are oppressed, and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, or to proclaim a year of God's favor. And so favor is a critical part of the redemptive process in which God comes to touch our lives that we might walk in his plans and purposes. And it's critical that we understand the process and the plan of God's favor for your life because favor is part of his redemptive plan that you might walk through every day and every moment of your life understanding what he has got for you. If we don't understand favor, then what happens is we end up living a life where our faith becomes maybe a little risky or we, we become risk averse because we don't understand that, that God's favor is resting upon us. We, our faith becomes uncertain. It becomes unsure. And, and we don't know how to take that step, that risk, 
Because at the end of the day, faith is a risk step, isn't it? We, we take a risk with God. But here's the thing. The risk that we take with God, when we, when we take that step in him, we are trading our security in natural things for an eternal blessing. And we're exchanging the life of certainty that we have now for a life of promise that we can have in him. We're making a trade that's going on the whole time. And so we need to understand this declaration to Jesus comes and he says, I am here to proclaim the year of God's favor. Now, that's a curious statement because favor is something, if favor is part of God's redemptive plan, then it has no time limit. It's not constrained within a time zone or just one you've got a year of favor choose it wisely (laughs) it's not like a it's not like there is a year of favor that rests upon your life that only exists at one moment it's just one year uh you could call it your jubilee year my jubilee year was two years ago so that was my year of favor it could it's not necessarily your your jubilee year or or is it it's your it, it is a year of god's favor and to understand a year of God's favor, that why would God put a, a time limit to something that is timeless? See, that's, that's what we need to understand. And to understand that, we need to understand seasons. And seasons are something which Christians like to use a lot. It's part of our Christian cliche, isn't it? It's a, just going through a season right now. It's a, it's a difficult one. But it's just a season. We, we, we say everything is a season because everything is, right? And, and we, we use that terminology to describe we've got no idea what's going on. Uh, and we've no idea why it started or when it's going to end. But we're declaring by faith it will, so it must be a season. Uh, but the, the thing with the seasons that God takes us through is they're not the seasons of, that follow the calendar year. They are not like winter i was trying to think of them then i got where shall i start spring summer autumn and winter they they don't follow the annual process where you go through one season and enter into another season that's not the seasons of god because because in our life are many complex seasons far more the really the seasons of your life are far more like a farmer who has an arable farm and an arable uh, farmer will have many plants growing in different calendar seasons, and they're all going through different times and different processes. So, so the spring barley that gets grown around where we are for the for the whiskey, praise the Lord. It's uh, the spring barley that gets grown around in that in in the around the farms around us is sown in the spring and it's reaped in the harvest. It has quite a short growing season. So you have spring barley, but the rather unfortunately named rapeseed oil that is grown, the rapeseed plant uh, that grows, that's already growing right now for next next year's harvest. So at the moment, the rapeseed is still, it's a plant that is um, just a little baby plant, just just at the moment, it would just be on the surface of the soil, a little sort of uh, green, looks a little bit like um, potentially could be a cabbage. That's what it's a very unusual, what it looks like in its early stages, but soon as the spring season hits, it will begin to get its height 
and begin to grow before it turns into that, that magnificent bright yellow, that uh, the sort of neon yellow that seems to sort of blaze across the, the spring fields. And so in that arable farmer, there are many different plants, and some of those plants are already growing, and, and other plants uh, have yet to be sown, and they all have their season, but they're all happening at the same time. So there are seasons which are going on in your life. And in all of those seasons, God is working something. It's for you to understand that he, des- he describes it as a year of favor. In other words, within all of your life is seasons. And in every season, you have God's favor resting upon you for his redemptive plan to work through your life regardless of your circumstances. So we need to understand that if you're going through a season, you're going through a redemptive plan that God is restoring you, that God is leading you into a place of glory, into a place of strength and a a place of power. But we need to understand that favor, if it's working in us, how is it working? How does favor work? Because without the understanding of favor, then we we don't live in the benefits or the pleasure of God's redemptive process. I think one of the saddest things that I find as a pastor is is pastoring Christians who've been saved for many years who are not living in the benefits of his salvation. Psalms 51 something, I just made that up. uh, (laughs) I know it's there somewhere. Someone will come up with it. That we shall understand the benefits of his salvation. In other words, if you're born again, you're a child of God. If you're born again, then you are an inheritor of everything that Christ has gained for you. So there are benefits which are being added to your life. If we have benefits but don't live in them, what kind of life are we living? So let's understand 2019 is a whole year. 2019 is a whole year, and it's a year of God's favor. Within that year will be many seasons of growth, and some of those seasons will come to an end soon for your life, and and others of them will begin, and others have already begun, and will complete maybe in 2019, and and but maybe they have a longer growing season before they come through. You you may have um, things which grow in your life. Not everything grows within a year. Some takes two or three years in, in, in an arable sense. Uh, but in human life, there are many things which take many years to grow in your life. And so we need to understand, how, do, how does favor work? How do I live in the benefit of favor? And so I want to read a, a Christmas scripture. Is that all right? Can we, can we afford to do Christmas after Christmas has come? Luke, 20, Luke chapter 1. 28 to 38. This is uh, Mary having the shock of her life. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, Considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called Son of the Highest, the Lord, and the Lord God will be, 
will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his, of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? Now, we have to understand, previously we know that Zechariah um, had, had, um, um, had said to uh, the angel uh, that he, he really did doubt whether his wife Elizabeth could, could have a son, and so the angel had silenced him. But what Mary wasn't questioning, she wasn't doubting the possibility. She just wanted to know how that's going to work because you're going to have a baby. Whoa. Yeah, let's not even talk about how that works. She, you know, she was a virgin, but she wasn't ignorant. So she, she understood and she's like, yeah, but mm. so so she needed some kind of reassurance that this is what's going to happen and so how does how can that possibly be and the angel answered and said to her the holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you therefore also the holy one who is to be born will be called the son of god now indeed elizabeth your relative has also conceived a son in her old age and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren for with God nothing shall be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Now, let's have a look at this favor that Mary got. This favor that Mary got caused her to become an embarrassment in her family and for Joseph to plan to put her away somewhere because of the shame that it caused. Now, we know that that happened because an angel came to Joseph in a dream. What we don't know is the conversation that happened in the family circles that had happened because Joseph would have been like, wasn't me. And, and the family would have gone, well, you know, this is awkward. So Mary's family, etc. Mary's going, but it was the Holy Spirit. Yeah, they all say that, darling. And uh, so they're all like, there's this kind of controversy that's going on. And this favor has just caused the greatest disruption in a family circle you could possibly imagine with huge embarrassment and social uh, connections, let alone religious law and what that demands of, of it. That's the first thing that favor got her. The second thing was favor was that Herod was now chasing her down and wanted to kill her son. And then the third thing that it caused in the immediate aftermath of, uh, of having a baby was causing her to live a few years as a refugee. That's favor for you. See, here's the thing with favor. Favor is God's plan working in your life. It ain't sugar-coated. It's the redemptive plan of God. It doesn't mean to say anybody else around you is going to recognize or understand the blessings that are going through in your life. And here's what I found is this, that your faith is your faith and it's not anybody else's. The Bible says don't cast pearls before swine. And I've, I've said many times, each one of us have the ability to be a little piggy from time to time and rob another person of their faith because we can't see what they can see as a blessing for their own life. So we have to learn 
Not only this, if someone has faith, let's keep our counsel to ourselves and honor the faith that they are carrying so that we don't rob them and we become part of the trial and tribulation of their own life. But also understand this, that the favor that God's rests upon you is a grace to believe for impossible things to happen and work through you. And when that happens, not everyone around you is going to think that's a marvelous idea. When Sharon and I came up to Scotland to plant this church, we, several members of our family were not impressed with that option. They didn't see us being pastors or ministers. They, they saw us. I was the youngest of six and the baby of the family. And as far as they were concerned, that's where I should remain. And so what happens is that, see, not everyone understands, not even family necessarily understood. It's taken many years of wisdom just walking with family, being able to see, oh, yeah, it, it, 20 20 odd years later, yeah, it might still be working. <laughs> it might be God. You've got to understand that there is a favor that rests upon your life that doesn't come with a guarantee that everybody is just impressed with you. But God is resting his hand and a redemptive plan and process. And here's the thing about redemption. Redemption is always transferable to others. Therefore, anything that God is doing in your life will always have an overflow of redemptive power for another. So the, the plans and purposes that see, see redemptive nature of God, is, it's like a disease that spreads rapidly. And when his grace touches someone, like this cough and cold that has run through the church, and uh, we're still not sure who the person was that brought it in the first place, but we will find you and we will hunt you down. And, uh, but either way, it took out a lot of our congregation over the Christmas period, and, uh, and uh, me included. I'm not impressed. And, uh, <laughs> but the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is because as we have sung this morning and has become our scripture for 2019, for God so loved the world, the whole world, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You see, that's called favor. Another way of calling it is grace. Because favor is something that you don't deserve. You don't earn favor. Doesn't, it's, it's not yours by right. It's yours by gift. Because God wants his redemption to work through every aspect of your life. How amazing is it that favor would lead us into a place of blessing. But it will also lead us into a place of conflict. Because that's what redemption does. It puts everything on the line. It causes you to make a choice. It causes you to choose the things you will do and the things that you won't do. With favor comes a lifestyle choice. That's the beautiful thing about salvation. It's the beautiful thing about the redemption of Christ. This is We're going to spend a, a whole year just looking at what it means to be saved and the love of Christ to save. And this is something that I've been speaking about a lot. 
See, Christ didn't come to condemn the world. The church has many times failed the world because I remember as a child, back in the uh, 70s and 80s, um, I remember TV, you get some vicar on debating some moral issue. And I just remember as a child, having grown up in traditional church environment, with Christian parents with very traditional values, listening to a, a, a vicar telling the truth, but sounding so completely wrong that my stomach turned thinking, I don't understand how to equate this. Do you understand me? Have you, have you ever been in those moments where you've heard someone on defending Christian values and thinking, I know you're right, but I feel like you're wrong. What was it they were saying? Because the church has often said sexual issues are, are wrong. They've spoken about moral issues in marriage and said they're wrong. Here's the problem. Wrong for who and why? Well, God says they're wrong. But why? Why does he say they're wrong? Because the world doesn't believe in God. No good giving them the God value. They've got no idea who he is. Why? Well, God said so. But why? You don't give a why. You can't give a no. If you don't understand the why, you should keep your mouth shut. See, see what Christ came. He didn't come to say no. He came to say, this is my love and redemption for your life. Now choose the life you want to live that allows that redemption to work through you. See, see what love does is love causes you to choose a life of holiness. Not because you're not allowed to do something, but because you want to live. It's not what you're not allowed to do. It's what you want to live because you want to follow the one who gives his favor to your life. See, we've got to lead a healing and redemption into a nation that's been told you can't do stuff for no good reason. Now, there are reasons why God said many issues are not the way to choose to live. There are many, many reasons why he said those things. And those reasons bring such heartache and sorrow into the lives of people who choose to live them. But we've got to bring favor because favor causes people to live in a place of blessing and restoration. Favor leads people into a revelation that Jesus loves them and he is there to restore them and he is there to lift them up. And he is there to cause them to choose to follow him. And when, we, when a person follows Christ, other people are impacted by, the, by the, the overflow of that redemption that is coming. And it causes them to make a choice going, if they're living this life of favor, can I get some of that favor too? That's what causes purity. That's what causes redemption. That's what causes, that's what caused me to stop being a self-centered, self-righteous kid who grew up in church life, assumed he was saved, but decided he was going to nick and steal just about anything you could find in shops so he could sell it to his mates to make some money on the side. So on Sundays, I would be in church going, hallelujah, Jesus. And on Mondays, I was at school opening my jacket, which would you like to buy? I had a choice. It was a sort of collection of Parker pens, football stickers. 
I had no problem doing both in church. Because I didn't understand his redemptive love for my life. The same time, the call of God was actually started pulling on me at the age of 11. My criminal activity started a little bit after that. But I didn't have that revelation. When the revelation hit me, I began to understand that if he loves me, then I need to love him. And I put away those unsavory choices because I discovered that there was a favor for my life that caused me to want to live after the king rather than after myself which is always in every single issue. I said last week that people's emotional, people's mental health issues always come down to a father issue. And the, the, the whole point that Jesus came, I said on the Sunday before Christmas, that Jesus always comes to reveal the father, that his grace is always about father issue. And the, the, the thing with the, the, with the father issue is that we, when we live, Without a revelation of who the Father is, we live for ourselves. And every social issue that we struggle with is to do with people living for themselves. Me, this is what I want. This is for me. Have you noticed everyone says that this is the greatest? In any conversation where people are debating issues of rights or wrongs, and then someone will go in and they'll say, Well, for me, it's the greatest. And basically, what they're saying is, I don't care what anybody else thinks. This is my choice. What will, what will I do? Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to bring a prayer over my house. What, how will I bring a prayer of me and my house will, will serve the Lord? How do we bring favor into the house of God? This is how we bring favor. See, this is what Mary said. She's just been told she's going to have a son. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon her. She's not stupid. She knows that this is going to cause some awkward conversations. But she doesn't understand the consequences of it. She's got no idea what it means to have, be a mother of the Son of God. She's got no idea other than this could be difficult or awkward. But she says this, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. So she aligns herself in direct obedience to the word that has been spoken over her. She says, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. I love this. Let it be to me according to your word. So in other words, if we want favor, the first thing to understand is, Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. She declares who she is before she's decided what she's going to do. The maidservant of the Lord. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. She's decided she's a maidservant of the Lord. Now what happens? This is what happens. Let it be to me according. So the word of God, to understand this, the word of God is now the basis of favor for her life. Now, I want to show you, I want to finish with this. because I want you, I want you to see how amazing his favor is and where it comes from. Numbers chapter 6, 22 to 27. I said something last 
Jesus came to fulfill the law. The law, wise and beautiful and incredible, is, is no longer relevant to our lives. It's not relevant because of something is, has far greater relevance. But there, are, there is much in the Old Testament which is critically important because it's not according to law, but it's according to eternal principles which override everything that is happening. Does that make sense? So there's some things which are said which are not law. They're just, there are words which define who we are in God. And they, they define the children of Israel and they define us. And this is one of those statements. Numbers chapter 6, 22. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. This is, this is as relevant today as it was when it was being spoken as the children of Israel are being ordained with a legal system that caused them to walk according to principles and according to a legal structure. Does this make sense to you? Haven't lost you? You know, thinking about New Year party. Here we go. See, the children of Israel lived according to principles. And something I discovered growing up in a traditional church environment, and many and many churches, charismatic, Pentecostal, everyone's looking for principles. If I do A, B, and C, then I will get a result equals D. Everyone's trying to live by principles. But, but when God came, right through the Old Testament, right through the, we see that God is not interested in tabernacles. He's not interested in principles. He's interested in one value, relationship. There's one value, relationship. The Holy Spirit was poured out that we might have relationship. Jesus came that we might have relationship. Everything that has been has been poured out is that you might have relationship. How do we walk in favor? By being extra holy, by being extra pure? How do we find those things? Well, purity and, and, and goodness and holiness are, are, are beautiful things, but, but they're not found by following a legal structure of things you can and can't do. I grew up in a household where we weren't allowed to watch television, and then my parents got a television when I was 11. Uh, I was the youngest, so my sister was 20, um, 21 before uh, we had a TV in the house. And uh, I remember it was 1977, and they got an old television, a very, very old television with a big tube box, uh, and you switched it on. Eventually, the TV, the black and white TV, the picture would appear on the screen, and then it, and it would smell, the, the smell of burnt dust because of the valves in the back would heat up. And, and you could only get BBC One. That was the only station you could get on it. And nothing else would work. And uh, so we started watching BBC, uh, television. But my parents decided, because we're good Christian, we obviously can't watch television on Sundays. Because Sundays is the Sabbath. It's not, by the way. But <laughs> that's what we were brought up. So, so you can't watch good. So they made a law that said to, to live. And I was asking Cheryl's parents. And I said, because I, um, I knew Cheryl's family when I when we were growing up, and, 
And uh, so I said, I'm pretty sure I remember that your parents watched the World Cup, which was on a Sunday. I remember my parents being quite shocked that Cheryl's parents had actually broken one of the sacred laws that they had invented. <laughs> that you can't watch television on a Sunday. And, and my parents, and they were very, very earnest in their desire to live a pure life. And so they invented these laws. And none of the laws have got anything to do with anything. So it makes no difference whether you watch television on a Sunday, a Monday, a Saturday, a Friday night doesn't. It's far more, what's critical is, is probably what you're watching. <laughs> well, let's not get into that. But it's, the principle is this. God says, to live in favor, you need my face. To live in favor, you need my face. It's my face that shines upon you that will bring you into a redemptive process. When Mary said, let it be according to your word, what was his word? His word wasn't the law. His word was this, the law bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. That, that word peace is the most extraordinary word. If we could spend another few weeks talking about what peace can do for you, we would still not even begin to just mine the beauty and the depths of it. But we need to understand that when God speaks, all of the blessings and the favor of your year need you to understand that it is about a personal relationship with Heavenly Father that you receive by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's simply the presence of God. It's His presence. We have something called prayer house on Sunday nights. For those of you who heard in prayer house, is, is not a prayer meeting. It's a time of meeting with God. It's not doing business like a prayer meeting. We, we do have prayer meetings. And we do business with God. We're, we pray about set issues that we want resolved. But prayer house, we are praying because we want relationship with God. And we have a, just a guitar and some worship, and we set the chairs in a, in a manner that is um, more relational, and we, we um, turn the lights down a little bit low so that people feel quite comfortable and can just worship and pray. And God meets with us every time in the most extraordinary ways. We're relaunching Prayer House uh, the second Sunday in January, and we're going to do Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night of prayer um, because we want to set the year as a year of favor. But we want a year of favor that rests on one principle. It's the presence of God that lives in our life because when his presence is with us, we walk in his wisdom. When his presence is with us, we walk in his grace. When his presence is with us, we are led by his oversight that enables us to put his word into action in every aspect of our lives. Let's believe 2019 that we're going to see the city saved, shall we? Let's look into this year. Let's fill up this building. Wouldn't it be beautiful if we filled this place again with so many numbers of people just born again? How many people can we lead to Christ? How many people can we lead to the Lord? We're not going to debate 
just I'm just not going to debate the issues of God if he exists or doesn't exist. I don't need to debate it. Here's the deal, right? The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that creation speaks of the creator. In other words, the world has no excuse because creation speaks of a creator. But here's the thing. While creation is speaking of a creator, the church is speaking of a savior. So many people have said I looked at the world and I realized something must have created it. The plan is it it just needs it. You can't you can't just this doesn't happen by accident. Many people have looked at creation and realized yes there is a creator. How marvelous is it if people look at us and go wow there must be a savior. Because they see the Savior Jesus Christ in the hearts and lives, in our love, in our respect, in our heart for every person. We might lead them to a place of redemption. All we want to do is just help people take one step. I've led many thousands of people to the Lord over the years. I've been preaching since I was 18 and in all of that time, I've seen so many people saved. But what I've found is this. I was just simply the last person in a long line of other people that had said something to that person that got them to that place. It was just the last one in the line. It was, it was just my privilege because that was what I was called to do. How many people can we just speak to that we can just help them move one step closer? Let's just move people one step closer. Just love them one step closer. Just be there for them one step closer. Just helps to break down the mindset of those who don't realize that there is a Savior who came. That there is a Father who loves them. There is a Spirit who has been poured out for them. Thanks for joining with us. For more information about events, service times and how to connect with us, visit www.thejunctionchurch.com.